0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Rockstar 101. His name is Brandon, he's the DJ. His name is Shim, he is the Rockstar. Class is in session, and
1: as we kick off this episode of Rockstar 101, we have to uh, honor the late, great Eddie Van Halen, who recently passed away from cancer. And I figured we would kind of dive into this topic, because he was the uh, icon of icons when it came to guitar play, and how he played and the the way that he wrote songs and we did the Mount Rushmore of guitarists on the morning show that I'm on we did this a while ago and of course Eddie Van Halen was up there i think the other 3 were Jimi Hendrix um Chuck Berry and i think Eric Clapton i, was gonna say I think Eric those Clapton. were our four kind of yeah i think speak. those were our four but Eddie Van Halen was was one of the obvious ones so Let's kick things off. Like, what's what's your first memory of Van Halen?
0: My first memory is Jump. But you got to keep in mind, like, like Van Halen is one of the bands that is is an Amer- it's, it's it's a it's a it's a global band, right? But in terms of the the Australian disconnect, like, the, a couple of songs got played on the radio over here and on the music stations over here. But in America, they were they were Van Halen. In Australia, when I was a kid, they played jump and they played like Hot for Teacher a little bit, but mostly it was jump. And so that- No Panama? Panama a little. Panama they did. They did. You're right. You're right. Panama actually was probably played more than Hot for Teacher just because our radio over here would be really a little bit more vanilla and Hot for Teacher was kind of a little more grungy and up tempo and sexy. But... um, Jump in Panama. They got played, and then the rest of them, all the all the other stuff that were like you know significant hits in the Sammy Hagar days, they didn't make it to Australia. So that's why whenever the Van Halen versus Van Hagar uh, discussion comes up, I don't, I mm-hmm. can't weigh in on it much because I didn't grow up with that stuff. But my main thing was knowing that Van Halen... like the first memory that I ever had of Van Halen, dude, is in the Back to the Future uh, when he he, you know, you know the scene I'm talking about where. Um, Marty McFly pretends to be an alien uh, to his dad because his dad reads oh, comic books. And, and the cassette tape—that's a Van Halen solo isn't it? <laughs> exactly—and he just puts the thing on his dad's, uh, the headphones on his dad's head, wakes him up by playing Van Halen solo, and it sounds because it's 1950 and Van Halen's 30 years away. He basically—it sounds like alien noise, alien talking, mm-hmm. and, and it's genius. It's fucking genius. So that was my first—that was my very very first memory of Van Halen. What about you?
1: I think mine's probably pretty similar. It had to have been MTV, um, playing the videos. I don't remember the first experience I had with Van Halen. I do remember listening to it a lot as a kid, such as the Staples, Jump and Panama and Hot for Teacher and stuff like that. But oddly enough, my first real memory of that group didn't even really have anything to do with Van Halen other than David Lee Roth. Because when he covered – was it Calif- – um, I wish they all could be um, California Girls. He covered that, right. didn't he? I, don't, I remember I don't... seeing that video and thinking, oh, cool, Van Halen. A, I didn't know that that was already a song that was done. I didn't know he was doing a cover so <laughs> I was too young to know that. And then as I was watching it, you know how on the bottom left they would always put the um, – the the artist, the song, yeah, yeah. the album, the 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 record label, all that the information down there. Information, and it just yeah. said David Lee Roth. And I'm like, wait a minute, like that's Van Halen. What the hell? Like and that like I somehow it blew my mind that I was watching this video, that the entire time as I was watching it, I was expecting it to be Van Halen. Right. But it was this this just the guy that was the, the lead singer, and then it kind of took took the wind out of the sails a little bit where i was like well that's not as cool as it was because it's not it's not Van Halen it's yeah. just the guy of yeah. course on top of that i didn't even know that it was not even a song that he wrote. Like I'm like, this is a great song. right? California Girls. Yeah, this is great. Not realizing that it had been previously done. Yeah, um, That's one of the worst things you can do really in high, high
0: school. If you go to high school and you're like, dude, have you heard the new Faith No More song? It's called Easy. They wrote an amazing song. And then you go to school and you tout it. And I remember I did that. I was that kid. That was when I first learned like, hey, you need to find out who wrote the song that you're into. Because a lot of times, that was the first time I learned of a cover song when I was in high school. And I was like, uh, and I just got the shit kicked out of me. For, for being that kid that was like, dude. And the funny thing is, Faith No More is Faith No More. No one listened to the fucking Commodores. No one was around going, oh, no, I jammed the Commodores. I am a true fan. Like, no one. They just wanted, like, you just can't make those kind of mistakes when you're a kid. They just, fucking kids will just destroy you. At least they do in Australia.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that actually kind of brings up a side story here. When we were talking to Jim Brewer when he was in town and he was talking about Metallica's, uh, I think it's Bread Fan and the intro to that and then the red hot chili pepper song that sounds almost identical to the intro to breadfan he got a hold of i think it was lars and he's like Red Hot Chili Peppers got this song, man. It sounds just like Bread Fan. Oh my God, they're, they're just totally ripping you guys off. And then that's when Lars had to tell him that Bread Fan was technically a cover of a song from a group called Budgie. Right. And Jim Brewer's like, I felt like this big. <laughs> He's like, because I had no idea. Like He was calling up to be like, dude, they're ripping you off. Not even realizing the song that he was talking about was a cover the entire the first time. Place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but then I do remember <laughs> when, the, uh, man, talk about just... Weird, random memories to things when it moved over to Van Hagar. Yeah, um, and it, but it had already been Van Hagar for a while. Uh, was when the song right now was right. released, right? Because I don't, I don't remember if it was that song was used in a Crystal Pepsi video, or right. if Crystal Pepsi was used in that video, or I'm completely m- misremembering everything here. But that's the memory that I have. Of that, but as you go through the course of time with Van Halen, uh, you know through Sammy Hagar, and then they had they even had that other uh, vocalist for a while. Do you remember who he was?
0: Oh yeah, I, I I looked that up again last night, but I forget. There was some guy in like the late '90s for like one album. Yeah, and then they sort of took a hiatus after 2000, and then they and came then back they, they you know Lira. they reunited with
1: yeah. Hagar. They did that that joint tour, I believe, where they had both Van Hagar and Van Halen, where they had David Lee Roth and Sammy Hagar out there at the same time. I didn't know about tower. that. I
0: didn't know about that. That's the thing. Like, my, <clears throat> my awareness of Van Halen came more on a personal level from Ross Hogarth. Like, I, I, I became more aware of Eddie, Eddie, Eddie as a guy than Van Halen as a legacy before before I understood mm. how amazing they really were. And I thought it was hilarious when I would actually watch Van Halen live videos and watch him play after I'd already been like, dude, Tom Morello is God and Hendrix is God. And and I would rip those guys off. And I never really got into Van Halen. I never, I never listened to him as a guitar player. I listened to the singles because the thing that I realized after like looking up a few things again last night, which everybody does after a God passes, is mm-hmm. that um, everyone ripped him off? Like, what well, took, took? Like, ripped him off? Like, like fucking all of the things that you see from guitar players in the m- mid '80s through to 2000 or even on. It's like they Van Halen was the first to do the tappy thing, the 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 two tap, the uh, the harmonic, like all that stuff. He was the guy that invented all these things. But if you if you just know their pop hits. You don't realize what an actual genius he was sometimes because they were so good at being pop stars as well. They mm-hmm. they invented the Eminem thing. The Brown Eminem story was Van Halen. You know, normally you don't get to have the top of the mountain pop stardom. Holy shit, rock legacy stuff, as well as being a true innovator. Usually, you're like. You're Steve Vai, and you're like, yeah, you're an innovator, but you got no fucking songs. Or you're Frank Zappa, and then the, like yeah, and, then the peop- and then
1: the people who become popular are the ones who ripped your shit exactly. off. Exactly.
0: It's very, it kind of doesn't really happen. Like, it doesn't happen that the person who creates and, and like, it, it happens in comedy. It happens in comedy with, like, Richard Pryor, for example, reinvented the form and became a global sensation because he was recognized as that. But I think it was because every single person could relate to comedy. As long as you're funny to most people, you're going to break through. Whereas if you're Mm -hmm. a guitar player, if you're making guitar sounding music, a lot of people don't want to hear that stuff over and over again. They want to hear pop songs. So I think Van Halen knew what they were doing. It was like, I happen to be a genius fucking guitar player, but I really love listening to fucking Beatles and Zeppelin and like he loved pop rock and roll music with good melodies and dope changes and stuff and jumping around and being crazy cool. And you watch the videos, dude. He was the sweetest guy in the world. He was so nice. It's painful to watch. He was like always so happy on stage playing. Like there was no fucking angst or bullshit. He was like, dude, rock and roll. It's awesome. (coughs) It was so dope. (coughs) Well,
1: the interesting thing is the guitar wasn't even his first instrument.
0: No, it was piano. And, and
1: even after that, it was drums.
0: Oh, well, there you go. Tappy tap. Yeah.
1: He had he had a set of drums that Alex ended up sort of, I guess, commandeering would probably be the best way to, to say it. Right. And so it got to the point where Eddie was like, well, you know what? Fine. If you're going to play my drums, I'm going to play your guitar. Right. And that's kind of how they like ended that. up just swapping there. Yeah.
0: I didn't know it was like that. I, I knew that they swapped, but it was because of – okay. Okay.
1: Yeah, we had we had a lot of tributes uh, this week, and that was one of the clips where it's Eddie Van Halen talking about how, you know, hey, if you're going to take my drums, uh, you know, I'm going to go play your guitar then. And he did. Uh, Another story was, I mean, you've heard this one that he he's the guitar on Michael Jackson's beat it. Yeah,
0: that's the big one. Yeah.
1: Did you hear how he rearranged it?
0: How he rearranged beat it? Yeah. No, I didn't hear that. Tell me that.
1: So the story goes here. It says, when it came time to record Van Halen's iconic solo on Michael Jackson's Beat It, producer Quincy Jones gave Van Halen carte blanche to rearrange the play uh, the part he was playing over. And here's a quote from Eddie. It says, I listened to the song and I immediately go, can I change some parts? I turn to the engineer and I go, okay, from the breakdown, chop in this part. Go to this piece, pre-chorus, to the chorus, out. It took him maybe 10 minutes to put it together and, the, and uh, I proceeded to improvise two solos over it. Yeah. So that's how he almost completely redid Michael Jackson's Beat It. <laughs> and I, didn't I remember know for it. years that wasn't a known fact. Like, not a lot of people remembered that he was the guitar on "Beat It."
0: Oh, dude, I remember that. Every every guitar player remembers that. You know why? Because a lot of guitar players are pissed. Like, hardcore fucking like Van Halen is god. They're like, dude, I've been listening to Van Halen for ten years, and you only realized when he played on Michael Jackson. You fucking consumer. <laughs> you're a consumer. <laughs> like they. But uh, the thing that I love about it is this: the story that I always heard, which I which goes in in conjunction with what you just said. He came in. He heard it. He figured out what he was, what the part was. He went and he played it in one take. And apparently, the first take is magic. Like the second mm-hmm. take is, ma- but they they actually went in and he played it down. And they said, "Great, that's a take. It's perfect. It's a holy shit, Eddie Van Halen magic." They recorded it distorted, because when he plugged in and they they went to kind of do a test run and record it, they recorded it. And he was playing too hot, too loud. And so it distorted on the way in. They couldn't use it. So all they did on the second take was just turn the input down. So Turned it down a little blow. bit. Yeah, just turn it down a bit so it didn't blow the speakers out. And then he did it a second time, and that's the take. It was a one fucking take thing. They, they did two takes because the first one distorted, not because they needed to comp them <laughs> together. He did it in one fucking take. And, it's, and this is my favorite thing, all right? This is another thing that I read up that I didn't know, which I thought was genius. You know about Gene Simmons' involvement in early Van Halen?
1: I swear I think I heard something earlier this (laughs) week just because we had a lot of Gene Simmons clips when we were talking about Eddie Van Halen passing away, but
0: remind me he he was um, kiss was big obviously but they were they would they been given their own label and he was like i'm scouting people for my label went to van halen flew him around did a bunch of demos at his studio eventually the label passed which of course is the dumbest fucking thing to do in the world but they passed but the later on gene simmons apparently still said hey uh i want to demo up some songs for the kiss record you know, like I got a few songs that I'm going to pitch for the record and do whatever. And but the Kiss was on a hiatus. the whole band didn't want to get together just to make demos. So he called Van Halen in, and they and Eddie demoed up the songs and played the guitars on it. What is it? Ace Ace is the guitarist in uh, in Kiss, right? That was the guitarist. Is it Ace? I forget the name of the guitar player.
1: I, I don't know Kiss that well. Like I, ride, that's why I don't like the name Kiss. Of the guitar so.
0: No, well the point is, is that when they brought the guitar player in, he literally had to learn note for note. Eddie's parts that Eddie just threw down on a whim. He was like, Yeah, man, okay. So the song goes like what you said with beat hey, it Check this the out. The song goes like this, da 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 cool da cool. Sounds good. He's like, Yeah. And then the the guitarist in Kiss came in and said, Wow, that sounds really good. And Gene Simmons just said, Yeah, you're gonna need to just sit with that for a couple of weeks and learn that and play it note for note. And they insisted that he play it like Van Halen because it was like, you can't like with respect we got Van Halen on a demo for an hour. We got to make it sound like that. Like we caught lightning in a bottle. You got to recreate it. And he had to fucking step up his game and learn that shit. Apparently, allegedly, allegedly. Not, not saying anything bad about kiss. I love kiss, but, but apparently that's true. And you can't blame the guy cause it's fucking Van Halen. If Van Halen <laughs> came and played on my record, I'd say, I guess I got to learn how to do that now. I'll see you next year. <laughs> you know, um
1: I'm I'm sorry I'm just I'm I'm flipping no, through fired. I had a whole bunch of stories about uh Eddie Van Halen here because the dude was a true icon. Did you know um that that was his guitar in Back to the Future?
0: Oh, wait a minute. That um the one that he uh that Marty McFly plugs in? And uh, the away? story
1: says here a scene in 1985's Back to the Future features Marty McFly slipping a cassette marked Eddie Van, uh, I'm sorry, Edward Van Halen, into a Walkman and blasting it into his future father's ears. That's the scene you were just talking about where he yeah. he wakes yeah. him up and he's got the, the the nuclear suit on or the hazmat suit on. Yeah. In 2012, the guitarist admitted it was just a bunch of noise he record, recorded and not part of an uh, uh, of an unreleased song. So that truly really was him just.
0: Just wailing. Yeah, so that was him just wailing. So that's awesome. on that So the part fucking right there. The, the movie producers actually called Van Halen and said, "Can you jerk off for a minute on tape and send it to us?" And he did. It, that's it what worked. they use. That's fucking great. He's probably just plugged it. There you go. And it's fucking iconic. It's awesome.
1: There was also a story that I'd heard because so you know the Franken like that was the the guitar, like that's the one that he created that you know from you know basically pieces of other guitars. I don't have confirmation on this one, but I'd always heard that you – that was never allowed almost out of his sight, right. uh, like protected under the most yeah. no, extravagant circumstances at all times because there were things that he did with that guitar that there, – there were secrets there. He didn't yeah. want people to see what he had done, yeah. so it was – he performed with it, and then it would immediately go back into – The case like this was not something that was put on for anybody just to go mess around with like this thing was protected almost like with like a secret service at one point
0: yeah right no that makes sense because yeah i know he built it specially and it looked like it looked fucking dope it looked like a frankenstein it was perfect dude
1: they've made a ton of merchandise about these uh like i just looked it up here on ebay they have shoes that have the design on there there's flip-flops with the design on them uh yeah and if you want the shoes by the way you're looking at about two grand what uh yeah
0: dude you gotta be a fan you've got to be a fan
1: oh and here's a story from 2009 (laughs) where it says van halen files suit against nike
0: yeah, that makes sense. I love the fact that he. Oh, had his it's own because head. Nike
1: did it without their approval. I yeah, guess. Yeah, of course.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because you—that's the design. That's, I assume it's that. Totally well, I
1: assume that Nike would get the approval. It was I. Then again, this was two thousand nine. I think Nike would go ahead and. Um, I think that Nike would try to, get the approval at this point. Now, when it comes to anything like this, but it says Guitarist Eddie Van Halen filed a lawsuit against Nike. Um, alleging the company used the trademarked striped design from his guitar yeah. on their new line of Dunk Lowes yeah. tennis shoes. because they're not
0: fucking stupid. They knew exactly what they were. Doing. And it was they the same thing. The suit.
1: Yeah, the suit states that Van Halen received a 2001 copyright for the design on the body of his Frankenstein electric yeah. guitar. Yeah, I could have sworn. I, I, man, I could have sworn when this first came out that they had gotten the approval from no, they him. They probably
0: got it afterwards. Yeah. Oh. <clears throat> but I just love the fact that he had his own head. Did you know You know that EVH, Eddie Van Halen, they, they're guitar heads. Like he's got his own. Mm-hmm. It's not like a signature series of a Marshall. It's like he's got his own fucking amp. Like that was when I was mm-hmm. like, oh, because there's only a handful of amps. A, that people know. Or the people, one, or that people want. Like when you say like, yeah, I want. Like Slash is great, but Slash doesn't have an amp. And like Steve Vai, I don't think he has an amp he might but it's boutique <laughs> shit but EVH they're in every guitar center in the fucking country man like that's that's when you're like and because he can he he's in, he can engineer that stuff but i just yeah anyway but um did i tell you i've told you that i played his guitars on connect right did i tell you yes, how that came about yes you
1: did you told me how you told me how that experience was uh uh like none other you would ever had
0: yeah well here's the thing like i Ross Hogarth is a very good friend of mine. He he's a Grammy-winning blah 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 mixer, master, engineer, producer, and he worked on my all three of my albums, and we became very close. He was one of Eddie's closest friends,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and the I knew more about Eddie from Ross than from uh, publications and stuff, and I knew that Eddie, for example, uh, basically had like sort of detached significantly from. The whole scene and was like, Look, mm-hmm. I just want to live in my house. I want to make my music. I want to have people who I can trust that I like around. So, as a result, he didn't have that many visitors, and Ross was one of his regular visitors. And uh, so, when the, the opportunity came up and was like, Hey, we're going to record guitars for Connect, which was my last album with the puppies, Ross was finishing up with Van Halen. I don't know how exactly it came up, but he literally was like, Yo, I'm working with this band. I think. Eddie must have heard one of the songs at some point to be able to go, yeah, okay, cool, you can. But it was because of Ross. It was like Ross was like, look, I'm working with this band. I, I want to, you know, can I borrow a couple of guitars? And they were the dopest guitars you had ever played in your life. And like you
1: w- could tell that there was something yeah. special with no, these guitars. No,
0: they were just, they were perfect. They were shocking. It was shocking. The one that I remember, which is used on, there, it was like three guitars, but one of them was just like truly shocking where you plug it in and you're like, what, how does this sound like this? It was this, it looked like it was a piece of junk. It looked like it was the, the simplest, cheapest guitar with this sort of brown body that wasn't quite wood, but it was a weird paint thing. It wasn't pretty at all. And then it was really light. It was as light as a feather. It was like as light as your microphone. Like it was so, like it was hollowed out, but it was a real piece of wood. And so you pick it up and you're like, this is fucking shit. This is nothing. This is like something out of a garage sale. And you plug it in and it just plays perfectly. It's perfectly intonated. It's perfectly set up. Every chord is so easy. And it just, it had this way of breathing that, that guitars don't do. Normally, guitars have like a... They're they're either a straight edge, they're like a box where it's like you hear a broom and it's in key technically, or it's like a Mm -hmm. straight line where you're playing a solo in a single note and it goes ding and it's like it's thin. It says there's a thinness to it when you run it through an amplifier because an amplifier by definition compresses the sound. It compresses it and then amplifies it. We didn't need to plug this thing into an amplifier, really. We literally just plugged it into a DI, which is just the thing that gets it into the computer, and turned it up mm-hmm. a little bit, and then it just fucking sounded amazing. <laughs> like we didn't run it through anything. We tried. We tried to run it through amps and distortion. It just ruined the sound. It just had to be. So it, it sounded better with nothing. It sounded else better with nothing on it. it. It was. I don't think it was one. I don't think it was a guitar that he engineered or anything like that, like Frankenstein. But it was one that he had hand picked and gone. You know i'm gonna have that guitar hell or high water and then set it up like how these guys like there are people who work on the guitar to make sure that it's like perfectly intonated and the pickup is in the right spot and it's all the make it sound the best that it can sound but a lot of the time with a piece of um with a guitar it comes down to the piece of wood and there's a lot of people when you go like to secondhand guitar stores i've heard people say they went and picked up a guitar and you, you pick it up at their house and it just sounds amazing and you go, where'd you get this? Oh, it was some op shop or some secondhand store in the middle of nowhere. But it, they say like, oh, it just, it was the right piece of wood. I got lucky. This is just the right piece of wood. And sometimes that happens. Mm-hmm. And this was the right fucking piece of wood. Like it was unbelievable. <laughs> dude. And it's on like every he song. He knew what this, he was looking yeah, for. If you listen to the solo for uh, uh, Healing Now, the, that whole solo uh-huh. was done on the the Eddie uh, the van Halen guitar I forget what the the guitar what brand it was it wasn't like a famous brand it was some boutique weird thing and then the rhythms on pretty much every track every track that has like non- humongous like gunfight and die to save you and those songs didn't make it on those but everything that had a clean sound it was, it's, you can hear a Van Halen guitar on most of my last record, which I think is Look dope. It's very fortunate to be able to say, and I have to say mad thanks to Ross Hogarth for that because that's all Ross. Van Halen, maybe he heard one of my songs and went, oh, that's cool. But he didn't give a fuck about me. It was because of Ross Hogarth calling in a mad favor and being like, you know, it's one of those great moments of the people you know.
1: <laughs> I got a whole bunch of more stories here about uh, Eddie Van Halen and, um, the one thing. So he he passed away from cancer, and <laughs> did you hear what he believed caused it? Yeah, the pick. Yeah. Yeah. So the it's I mean doctors and everybody was like, well, it was probably from all the years of smoking cigarettes because I believe it was uh it was was it mouth or throat cancer? It was throat cancer. And it was one of the two where it was you know it affected his palate and everything. Maybe it was mouth. Um, yeah. and his belief was he had this metal pick that he used to hold in his mouth. Yeah. And he believed that that was what had caused the cancer. Another great story about um, Eddie Van Halen is that he apparently kind of smiled through the whole thing. You know, he didn't let it get him down. Um, There was a few different stories uh, that we were playing back this week of people talking about him and talking about how they would run into him later on in life, even after he was diagnosed. And, you know, they had had to remove some of his mouth because of this. And he would show them kind of the damage that was done. But, but it never spirits, came yeah. off. Yeah, it never came off as oh, look at you know, woe is me. Yeah. Um, it was really like yeah, I got this thing. You know, I'm I'm gonna fight it and I'm gonna beat it and you know we're gonna keep rocking on, man. And it's just <laughs> it, it, it it stories like that show you the the true entity of the person. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, like th- their core. I guess. Yeah,
0: I think that's uh, I I had the, well, I had an opportunity to meet him once with Ross. We were driving past his house and he was like, oh. At some point, I'll take you over to Eddie's, and he was one of the guys that could have done it. And I was like, "That's when you should go now." No, I literally, he literally now. was like, we were driving up, and I think he called and he wasn't home, and he was like, "Oh, at oh. some point, at some point, I should take you over to Eddie's because because he could do that." And it was like, and I remember thinking like, "Yeah, that'd be great," but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't chase him up. I probably should have chased him up and been like, "So when are we going?" But I didn't want to be that <laughs> guy. I didn't want to be that guy. So. But from what I've lo- i I always go back to Ross because he actually was friends with him. He actually knew him. And he said exactly the same thing. He was just the sweetest guy in the world. And you can see it in the old videos when he's playing in front of 20,000 people. He's just so happy. He's not trying to be cool. He's not trying to do whatever. He's just having the best time. And he's clearly just grateful and humble and and stoked just fucking so stoked to be playing music and that's the thing that i think a lot of people don't realize is that you know a lot of people they try really Mm. really hard to emulate eddie or to whoever or to copy or to become like and they're but the people that you usually idolize the most are kind of just existing in that place they're not trying they're just they're having a good time. They're existing in there. They're calm, they're peaceful. They're like, I'm doing it because it's so much fun. They're not doing it because I want to do this because if I can reach this point, then I can get a girlfriend and then chicks will like me because they don't like me because I'm not on the soccer team. Like when you start when I started music, I started music because I was like this is awesome. A couple of years later I found out chicks dig guys that can sing and I was like <laughs> (laughs) fucking awesome side like a that's like a side effect. yeah perks but i knew a lot of people who there was a lot of guys who picked up guitars who who just were not very good and they would just sit in the schoolyard and sing and girls would sit next to them and and i go oh that's i get what you're doing you're you're into music and you're trying and you have a a, a, like an agenda or whatever and there are other Mm -hmm. there are musicians who become very famous who are usually horrible people to be around who have an agenda and they're like, yeah, I want to make music for some extra. You could tell with Eddie, he was, that's why uh, I I know from Ross after like somewhere after 2000 or whatever, he made a life change and was like, look, I'm not just going to go and do every show and just make records when people tell me to make records. And I'm just, he cut a lot of stuff out of his life and was like, and I think he took a monetary hit as well. He was like, I don't care if I don't make any more money. I got my money. But I'm like, I just want to have a clean, peaceful, simple life, and that's why after 2000, uh, there was it wasn't as crazy. It wasn't because the band became less popular. He actually was like, I just want to play music and enjoy my life and be cool. And like going back to what you said, he was a really genuine, special guy. And you see the posts; everyone was posting on Facebook that was like, this time I met mm-hmm. Eddie, he was so nice. This time I met him. He was like really cool and chill. He's just he was the sweetest guy in the world. I texted Ross the moment that I heard the first. I saw the post and I just went straight to texting Ross and I just checked in on him because I knew that like if you had the blessing of being a friend of van halen you were in pain at that point like you lost a true Mm -hmm. like a brother and and he was and like and he is still it's still fresh but like he uh that's the type of guy that he is i think that's something important that that a lot of people take when they think about someone like van halen they go oh we lost a great guitarist well you we lost a great person Mm
1: -hmm. like
0: he was really the reason he sounded that way is because of the way he lived his life, because he really just existed for the music. And that's the thing that I, th- I think it's a shame that you. That sometimes people have to pass to realize, oh, he was actually just like, he, that's just how he was. He wasn't just a great guitar player. You become, you become great at a task because you're a great person. You can't get to that level without being in check with yourself and your world around you and stuff.
1: Well, we do have a couple of stories of him getting cranky, apparently. Oh, okay, fine, okay,
0: okay.
1: Well, because there's, there's one here Why do you go I to found... stories
0: of David Lee Roth getting cranky? Because I hear there's a bunch of those. Oh, I got <laughs> I, I've got. i heard some.
1: Yeah, okay, <laughs> fuck it, I'll tell it. So, well, okay, well, I had a friend of mine. He, uh, he was working, I, I worked with him at a radio station in Florida, but his story came from, I think he worked at a venue, and it was his job to go pick up um, the talent, whether it be at the airport take him to the hotel or the hotel to the venue or whatever the case may be. And he went to go pick up David Lee Roth. And as he picks up David Lee Roth, there's these two just gigantic men surrounding him. Obviously right. like they're just these big, big old bodyguards. And when they get into the back men. seat,
0: yeah.
1: one of the guys like looks straight at my friend and he goes, you don't turn around and you don't look in your rearview mirror. And that's when my friend was like, oh shit. And he said within, like, five minutes of the car ride, he smelt just this horrific smell that he had ever smelt. It, it didn't smell like tobacco. It didn't smell like marijuana. And, of course, everybody assumes, like, dude, he was smoking crack. Right. Like, like, you know, they're they're making that leap, but that was the – bit like, you don't – like, he's not allowed to, like, look up and then, you know, look – check his, his review mirror – so he's like I never really saw what it was. He goes, but it was horrific. Oh, and God. he never he didn't have too much interaction with David Lee Roth other than he just he was a weird dude and you could tell he was on something. Right. Um but so that's my story. But this one comes from uh Twitter where somebody says true story in 1978, Eddie Van Halen got so pissed at David Lee Roth backstage yeah. that he threw a bowl of guacamole at him. <laughs> the guac didn't hit Roth. It hit Steve Perry though. Fuck. Uh, And Steve Perry cried. (laughs) (laughs) Really? That's what it says. It says
0: he cried. Why? Because the guacamole hurt or because it came from Van Halen?
1: I don't know, but it says here, this is a true story according to Running with the Devil, the 2017 memoir by Van Halen's former manager.
0: Uh, Dude, if I got hit by guacamole, if if Van Halen threw anything at me, I'd cry. I'd be like, dude, why don't you like me?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I got to get back into reading... uh, Rock, uh, rock bio Good. biographies, man. Because Good. like that, that one right there, the Running with the Devil sounds like an amazing one. I never read the Heroin Diaries, which should oh, be just the an, amazing,
0: diaries is an amazing biography.
1: Amazing. We got to, we got to start getting into that. We like, we need shit. Here we go. We're <sighs> okay. gonna start a rock biography book
0: club. Really? Like we're announcing this live on the on podcasts. Like we can't edit this. We're we're stuck with this now. Fuck it. Yeah, let's <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, okay. We're All right. What, start is a rock what is it? What is
1: Biography book club. Okay.
0: Huh? Okay. So what's what's the first? Is the heroin diary the first one? I don't know. Let me let me um... put together some options.
1: Is there like a pop up book we could start with? A or... pop-up? No, you're gonna
0: have to actually read, motherfucker. You're gonna have to pick up. Dude, a novel. how rad would that be? Like you got the pop up book, and it, maybe it's a Van
1: Halen biography. When it pops up, you like the pop up his his hands like fucking <laughs> like
0: that. How <laughs> great think, would that be? That'd be awesome. Do you want to see that again? No one wants to see that again. So we've got, but I think there, there are some great, wow, just keep going. There are some great stories in a lot of those things. I remember uh, the Aerosmith one had a lot of great stories. And the I reason have that- an Aerosmith one. It's Steve Kramer's. Well, whatever. It, there's one that's, that's the official name one. Name no, me. no. There's one that's actually written by all four members and like a one or two tour managers, and it actually tells like it t- it picks like twenty great stories of of Aerosmith and everyone's perspective. God damn it. You know, are you listening? Are you listening? No,
1: sorry. Because I, I knew the second I said no. Steve Kramer, I'm like, that's not it, idiot. Like, that's, that's not it. his name. It's Joey Kramer. Yeah. Sorry. Go, I'm sorry. Go the uh, rewind There's, 15 an, Aerosmith, seconds
0: there's an Aerosmith book. Anyone in the Discord, help me out with the name of this. There's an Aerosmith book Uh, which is they'll have one story, but they have multiple perspectives on the same event from different band members. And usually the drummer in the band was like, dude, I don't know. I just want to play drums. Yeah. He was like, I just wanted to play drums. So like, but there's, do
1: you remember what happened to him? Like last year, what happened where they basically locked him out of the, of rehearsals and, and like kicked him out of the band.
0: What? No, you don't
1: remember this. I think this, I think it was when Aerosmith had their Vegas, um, Residency, Residency, yeah. And they had their rehearsal spot and they just so because shit, this happened a couple of times over the past couple of years. Remember, this happened to Brian Johnson with ACDC, which by the way, they got a new album coming out
0: with Brian Johnson. Yeah, new
1: song, new song dropped this week. We got to play it. Um, and then, but this happened where, again, we're, we're going back to our, uh, the time I got to hang out with Jim Brewer where, cause he's good friends with like Brian Johnson. And what he was saying was, um, Brian Johnson got home and basically his stuff showed up all the stuff that they had of his that was on tour. And it was just like, okay, here you go. And that was it. Yeah, yeah, nobody told him anything. He was oh. just very unceremoniously kicked out of the band. I can't believe. They, well, I,
0: what does that feel like? I can't imagine what that feels like.
1: Then they ended <laughs> up going with Axl Rose. Yeah. Remember, he yeah, toured yeah. with the band for a little bit. But now they have since made up, and now it's all the original guys. You know, uh, with uh, Phil Rudd and um, <clears throat> Angus Young and um, Malcolm, Cliff Williams. There,
0: right? Malcolm is in there.
1: <laughs> Malcolm passed away.
0: Yeah, I know. So when you say all the okay. original guys, it's not all the original guys. Well, the
1: ones that are still around. Yeah. But <laughs> um just wanted to clarify yeah, so, in case yeah. anyone's like, oh, Malcolm, so, yeah, no, no. So, so anyway, we've got really- isn't Brian like, de-
0: Brian's deaf.
1: He's having difficulty hearing. I thought I that don't know was why. I didn't know it was deaf. so
0: unceremonious. I thought the reason that Axel went on tour was because Brian was deaf or at least had significant hearing problem and he was a replacement singer for a short while. But
1: see, that's the thing, is that's what the news was reporting, yeah. is that Brian Johnson's battling hearing loss. So he has left the band. They're now looking for somebody to fill in. Oh, oh look, Axel Rose wants to do it, so that's what we're going to do. When we spoke with Jim Brewer about it, he yeah. was like, hey, yeah, as from what he was told, Brian Johnson had no idea what was going on. Right. He just had his stuff show up at his house, like just <laughs> randomly. And it was like, oh, um, so – I guess I'm not in ACDC anymore.
0: That's so, But we, then we, they, we, of
1: course, they have since you know made yeah. up and they do have their new album coming out. Yeah,
0: you would think that after the 40 years that that band has been together, or how many years has Brian been in the band now? It's 30... 30 Didn't bon 30 Scott die
1: in 80?
0: Yeah, so it's 30 fucking years. 30 40. fucking years. 40. Oh, shit, you're right. It's 40 <laughs> years. Totally spaced on that. 40 years. And you think after 40 years, either one, they would be a little bit more ceremonious or... A B two whatever I said, they would you'd get past your shit like after forty years hasn't hasn't everyone gotten over their baggage and been like look I don't like you, see, you you don't like the me thing. Or whatever. Remember and like-
1: Joey that and this is, this is what ties into the other story and we got to start wrapping up this episode but hell we really you know just kind of went on a whirlwind here at the end yeah but it's because remember stuff. that was the thing with oh um he just reunited with them earlier this year but it was during the band's residency I believe that they. Locked out. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> squirrel. Joey Kramer out of the rehearsals,
0: and for what purpose? Are they getting another drummer, or they just thought, nah, fuck it, he'll play. Along? I don't
1: know if it was ever really explained. I got to read more into this, but yeah, it was. Like, there's there's video of him showing up to the rehearsal place, and there's two bouncers out front that won't let him in.
0: Oh my god!
1: And you no, know, and he's and he's seventy years old now, man. So like, you just you feel bad for the dude, and if you read his biography. You're like, "Fuck, that guy's got got problems upstairs, man. Like he battles demons." Oh, really? Okay. Like he starts he starts off his book. I can't remember what the tour was but this was after because you know Aerosmith made it big they went away they did walk this way run DMC uh, you know kind of remixed it and then they kind of hit big again Yeah, and then you got to like get a grip and stuff like that so it was after they've made it big again and they're just like one of the biggest things on the planet and he starts off by saying he should be in one of the greatest places he could ever possibly be because they're on top of the world He's he he was like Crying uncontrollably and shaking because of depression and anxiety, and I think he had already been sober for like six years, so right. it wasn't like he could blame it on substances. And it was just this – it's a it's a rough one to get through. Right. Um, I still haven't even been able to finish it because it's 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 not an easy read in the sense of, you know, he really really kind of he lets it all out there in this book.
0: Right, right. Uh,
1: Joey Kramer's biography. But uh, yeah, go check that one out. So we're going to have to find this. And if anybody listening to this wants to jump in on a uh, rock biography book club, Book club. Yeah. Now, look, we're not reading a book in a week. I don't have that kind of time. We're, like, we're do not going to we'll
0: go chapter by chapter, discuss chapters.
1: It, well, yeah, I think it's going to depend on the book, but we're, we're going to definitely need to do this. So, if anybody has any suggestions, this is the perfect way for me to roll right into our social medias. Uh, you can find Shim over on Twitter. It is at Shimmore, S H I M M O O R E. You can also find him over on Facebook. That one is just simply Shim, but he's got the uh, blue checkmark. Right. You can find me over on Reddit or on Instagram. It is at at the real brandalorian Again, that's at the real Brandalorian. You can always drop me a message on either one. Speaking of which I did get a question on Instagram from a good friend, Lucia, um, who is a frequent listener of the podcast. Lucia. has reached out to us. Hello, Lucia. And she did have a quick question here that I want to, I want to ask. Um, she was looking to get into a new band and she says, how do you draw the line between butt rock and just rock? That's and for me, I'm gonna let Shim take this because she 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 did say you know she thinks Shim would would know how to do this. For me, I always the way that we were talking about the definition of butt rock is that's not anything you can control. I think that's a definition of people who want to hate on a specific genre of rock is what it had kind of morphed into. It didn't really matter what the genre was. It was really more or less people. um, it's just kind of nitpicking at other yeah. people's preferences in music.
0: I, I have a different, I think, I think my answer actually might beat your answer on this one. Uh, in terms of people who are trying to create music. So what was the question specifically so that I don't answer it? Anymore?
1: How do you draw the line between butt rock oh, and just rock?
0: The difference between rock and butt rock is authenticity if you create a song that has a chord progression that sounds generic and a drum beat that sounds straightforward and it's got a big, you know, sounds like five-finger death punch or Nickelback, but if you if you have authentic vocals and lyrics, most importantly, something that is just genuinely pure, most importantly, it just needs to make sure it doesn't sound like a pose or sound like it's... Just sound like a pose. Like if, if, you, if you are raw and authentic and organic and... Putting something out there that's a little bit risky, that's a little bit like rock and roll takes risks. You're talking about rock, rock and roll. You're talking about Bob Dylan. You're talking about Van Halen. You're talking about yeah, Hendrix. Yeah, right from know. the
1: heart, right yeah, from your soul, yeah, Bob whatever. Dylan. Yeah, yeah. yeah
0: shit. that's how you should have done the fucking socials. But like oh, music, shit. The, you know, the Beatles, music that challenges people and inspires people and takes risks and talks about subject matter that, you know, as opposed to butt rock. Butt rock is more of a pose. So that's the difference, and that's how I think. As long as you take a risk and put yourself out there and be authentically you, then it's not going to be butt rock. If you're trying to sound like someone else or you're trying to fit into a box, you'll probably land a butt rock.
1: I still like my definition better. But anyway, so uh, I'm going to finish doing the socials like this. If you want to become a supporter of the podcast, well, head to anchor.fm slash rockstar101. The voices all sort of start morphing into the same thing, don't they? They Somebody mentioned I started to sound like Quagmire from Family Guy. That sounds so Uh,
0: much like who said that's totally right. Quagmire. I think it, it was
1: somebody on YouTube maybe? I can't remember. Whoever made the comment, thank you, because it was that that's exactly what it's it totally ended up morphing it into. Is. It's
0: so annoying. I
1: just I was just missing the giggity giggity <laughs> giggity goo.
0: Giggity goo.
1: A big thank you to our supporters. We have Victoria, Veronica, and Taryn. Thank you for being a supporter of this podcast. Um, If you'd like to be a supporter, if you're watching this on YouTube, click the link below. But if you're listening to this as a podcast on Apple or Spotify, wherever you get them, uh, you can always head to anchor.fm slash rockstar101. Of course, I got to plug the beard struggle really quick. If you're liking how the old beard's looking there, go to YouTube if you haven't seen it. Uh, go to The Beard Struggle. They've got all different kinds of products. You've got the uh, the beard balms. You've got the oils and uh, shampoos and conditioners and all the – it's it's arguably the best product that I've ever used on my beard, and I've used a ton of stuff on my beard before. So go check it out and then use Brandalorian as your code at checkout, and you're going to get yourself a nice little discount there. Again, that's The Beard Struggle, and use code Brandalorian.
0: And I just found out that actually uh, one of our hardcore rebels, Tammy, was the one who – Said Quagmire, and Tammy, oh, okay. Tammy and Tammy just told me that on the Discord. So you can watch, uh, you can actually be here while we record Rockstar 101 live. She just, she just told me on the Discord right now while you were plugging the socials. Oh yeah! Right. If you wanna, <laughs> giggity, giggity. Giggity, giggity. God, so gross, dude. If, what? You, um, if you, no, I'm trying to plug something else—the Patreon. All right. If everyone who's listening, if you want to, you want to hang out with us while we record this, you can sign up to the Patreon. The link will be in the YouTube as well, and you can hang out with all the hardcore Hollywood rebellion rebels. In the meantime, thank you very much, Brandon. Do you have anything else? My favorite Quagmire
1: scene is when they tell everybody that there's porn on the internet he didn't know about because he still like buys the magazines and like dude there's a bunch of free stuff on the internet right. so then they don't see him for a week and when he actually finally steps out of his house his one arm is just completely fucking ripped <laughs> all he's been doing is whacking off the whole time
0: you mean his arm is ripped like, like oh he's, he's just bustle, fucking it's right. like, like he's
1: got his one skinny little arm and then he's got this one that's all yoked up Jesus that's, funny. that's all I had to say on okay. that note his name's shim <laughs> 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 he's the rock star
0: uh, his name is Brandon he's the DJ
1: Class dismissed.
0: You like that? Got to get out more, brother.